Recorded live from that place where your mother said you'd go if you did meet your lima beans, this is Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her, hers as well. Today, we'll be talking about gender. I know we talk about gender a lot, but our guest today is a gender mentor, El Chenier uses heart-centered creative practices to help gender non-binary folks like them discover their true nature. Yes, we fully expect we will engender a conversation that will <laughs> end gender confusion. <laughs> oh, Penny. Get it? <laughs> oh, I got it. I just wish there was a vaccine for that. And we'll be right back with the interesting part of our podcast after the traditional music swell and fade up. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad, it just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love we do have expenses and by going to transformationthursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today plus get exclusive patrons only content um if i say yes can we get on to our next segment oh god i hope so Okay then, transformationthursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Our guest today is Elle Chenier. Elle, did I say that right, Elle? Close enough? Sure, not. <laughs> How would you say it? You know, what's really funny is that I was raised in English Canada by a French Canadian family, and now I'm in Quebec, and people correct my pronunciation of my own name all the time. How, how, <laughs> so I can't uh, say it properly. <laughs> that is such a Quebecois thing to do. <laughs> oh my goodness, Quebecois. So how do you how do you say it, Al? I'm going to practice. I, I say it Chenier. El but that's Chenier. An that is kind of anglicized of chenye. Like there's that nye in there that I can't, I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, does she, so is it chico to me or chico to me? Chico to me. Okay, it's chico to me, but I spent almost a semester there about 20 years ago. But so see, I'm an Anglo, though, so don't trust me. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Our guest today is El Chenier. Ooh, that rhymes. Yeah. Ooh, that has a nice <laughs> Elle has a PhD in critical sexuality studies and is currently completing a meditation teacher training with Tara Brock. Did I say that one correctly? 
I think so, yes. All right, cool. <laughs> they use their 30 pro... 30 plus years in the field to help nurture and guide non-binary and other gender questioning people toward their most authentic and fully embodied selves. L, welcome to Transformation Thursday. We're off to a great start already. My goodness, how lucky I am to be here with you two lovelies. Oh, we are lucky too. So to get started, could you start off with like a quick history of yourself, how you became the, the person you are and embraced your non-binary self? Okay, so uh, I can tell you two things. First of all, I never had any sense of a gender. And of course, when you grow up in a certain way, you don't you think everybody's like you, right? <laughs> because you are the center of the universe. So um, that never felt weird to me or anything. I just, whatever. And um, I became a very typical uh, heterosexual female uh, when I was in high school. And I know that now when we talk about gender and sexuality, it's really important to separate the two. But for me, it's it's a little bit hard because coming into a sense of my gendered being was very much a part of being a heterosexual adolescent, which is punishing. Uh, so I was a, a, an adolescent who enjoyed sex. And we all know what happens to girls who enjoy sex. <laughs> not nice things. And lots of really not nice things happened to me. So when I uh, was uh, 21, I uh, came out as a lesbian and that was amazing because the lesbian community embraces sexuality. They celebrate you if you like sex. So I felt truly, truly home in the lesbian community. And the other thing, of course, well, as it happens, coincidentally, uh, I also discovered feminism at the same time. And of course, feminism is a critique of we could say the gender binary, like the whole gender system, right? Uh, so that was happy days for me, right? Because none of that worked out very well for me. Thank you very much. So I became a feminist and I became a lesbian. And I and at the time, it was the early 90s, so I was a dyke, you know, and we all shaved our heads off and wore jeans and Doc Martens and marched around, stomped around <laughs> and owned our bodies and our autonomy and said, fuck patriarchy and all that good stuff. And um, and then I discovered butch femme culture and that was super exciting. And um, I was a femme for a while and I had an amazing, amazing butch lover. Best, I can say, I'm unpartnered right now, so I can say best lover in my life I ever had. She was an old school butch and man, I had no problem being her femme. <laughs> and it was really great. And uh Anyway, so along I go in life, and, and most recently I was, I was partnered with a trans man who I had met many, many years before when they were, when they were a marching dyke like me, and they had since transitioned, and um, so we were together for almost 15 years, and, uh, and, then, and then sort of separate from that, you know, my students, so I teach at university, and my students started using they, them, right? This started becoming a thing. And, uh, and the way I saw it is, you know, every generation needs to define itself. And so, so my generation of lesbians, we use dyke, which was not used by the previous generation of lesbians. And so this generation was using non-binary. But when I first heard it, I thought, oh, you know, they're just entering into a critical en engagement with gender, which all of us had had. So good for you kids. But it sort of sat with me for a little while. And, um, 
And I realized that actually it was something different. Whereas in lesbian culture and with feminism, we were always critiquing male, female, and then, and then lesbian butch femme culture gave us a place and a language to play with, with gender, the gender binary. And, um, but this was like putting down the toys and leaving the party and saying, yeah, see ya. No, thanks. None of that for me. Thanks. <laughs> and I realized that that was me. I mean, that, that I never had felt male or female. I quite happily engaged in the critique of it and I quite happily played with it. And as I just said, I loved being a super femme to a butch for a little while. But um, but none of it actually, like to me, it was just all play. It was all something in motion. It was nothing that I genuinely felt that was authentic or true to me. As you, as you look back, though, at as you're coming out and you're embracing your non-binary identity, you know, at this point in your life, a few years back, as you look back over your life, though, how does that redefine your memories of your childhood? Well, I, okay, so I'm super glad you asked that question because even though, okay, so I'm 53, and so I grew up with this trans narrative, and it's the same as, you know, lesbian and gay. It's this idea that you always knew you were this thing, and then, you know, some of us come to terms with that or discover that or have a realization at a different age, and then you go through this process of accepting that's quote-unquote who you really are. And so on. And so even though I work in a field, critical sexuality studies, as you mentioned, where we, we, we know that there are so many more experiences and so many more narratives than that one, even though I know that, nevertheless, I went through a process of going, well, you know, have I been suppressing something? Like, like am I really more male than female? Like, am I really a trans guy? Is that my truth? And, and it's funny, my mom, I'll tell you, um, I mean, this is part of a longer story that I won't get into, but my mom doesn't talk much, but whenever I, uh, come out to her, she drops some kind of bomb on me that blows my mind that I didn't expect. And she, what she told me is she, when I said to her, you know, mom, I think I'm non-binary. She said, well, you know, she said, that's interesting because when you were born, when your grandfather came to the hospital, he took one look at you and said, should have been a boy. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, you're just telling me this now? Like, what the hell? And anyways, but she told me that conversation while I said, look, mom, pull out all the old albums of family albums, right? Because I had this memory of a photo that was taken of me when I was 12, when I cut my hair off. And I was wearing this outfit, which would have been like a very gender neutral outfit. Um, and I, I remembered how I was posing and it was a very boyish pose. And, and, and that photo was in my mind. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that's like, maybe that's the essence of me. Maybe that's who I really truly am. And just, you know, because of society and whatever, I haven't been able to sort of realize that. So, so my mom brought all these photo albums and and, you know, there were photo albums of me as a child in dresses. And I remembered loving those dresses. I could remember the feeling and even the smell of the dress. So in that moment, I thought to myself, 
you've spent your whole life critiquing the little boxes that the world wants to force us in. Why are you trying to force yourself into a box? Why don't you just open yourself up to the possibility of everything and let it all exist within you? You know, why, why are you searching for one true authentic thing as if, as if any of us could be reduced to one thing? And then it was just like such a relief, you know, like just this kind of, kind of letting go. So the way I feel about it now is I'm really allowing myself to, to grow into um, a kind of masculinity that I really enjoy and I've never fully explored. But even though, and I'm, you know, I'm also taking tea right now, so I will become more masculine looking over time. But I'm doing that and not um, renouncing, you know, that magical period in my life where I was a femme and had a beautiful butch lover. And I'm not saying that is not who I am. It is who I am. So I'm not leaving any piece of me behind, even though on the outside, I may appear increasingly masculine. I'm so much more than that. So you have always felt authentic the, your entire life. Is that it sounds like you're, you're you've got sort of an authenticity thing where it's like I, even if you don't recognize that there were other things to you, you're like back when I was wearing those dresses, I was authentically who I was at that point. And so you're just like looking at this and just finding that there's it's more of a if it took for an improv way, a yes and thing. Yes, I was that girl and I am who I am now. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Yes. And so, so this question of authenticity, I think I'm glad, yeah, glad you, you ask really good questions. We're in a, we're in a good groove here with each other because this is, you know, the, 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 the question that I have is, you know, or the, the sort of the thing I say is we all know we're supposed to, the goal is to be our authentic selves, but what if you don't know what your authentic self is? And I think all of us, whether it's gender or something else, we could ask ourselves that question. And, and that's what I do is, that's the work that I've done for myself. Because, because let me tell you, when I, people, again, another part of the narrative is that when you discover, quote unquote, who you, quote unquote, truly are, as if there's one truth, um, that it's supposed to be liberating, right? And the world has this outside idea that, oh, you're liberating. But actually, for me, it was, was that brought up so much sadness and so much pain. And a lot of it was the pain of um, the sexual violence and sexual abuse that I endured as a teenager. Um, and, and I have all of my life since then been very suspicious of men. Like men have to prove themselves to be good people before I trust them. So I walk through the world holding my body tight um, because, you know, you just need to get assaulted once and the rest of your life, you're like waiting for it to happen again. And so to embrace masculinity when all of my life, I feel like men are a danger uh, to me, a potential danger. Of course, you know, hashtag not all men. I have many, many amazing, outstanding male friends, of course, Um but just when you're a stranger, when I don't know you, then I don't assume that you're a safe person. I assume you're not a safe person until I know otherwise, right? And that's just a survival tactic from someone who's been assaulted um, and, and physically violated, right? 
uh, by, you know, men who I didn't know, but also men who I knew and trusted. So, so then to, to go from a lifetime of that to saying, well, actually, I, I'm going to feel my way into masculinity. That was very painful. I had to come to terms with that, that history, which I thought I already had. I, I had to realize there were parts of myself I was not fully living. And, and as someone who, you know, if, if, if you knew me well, everybody would say, oh, she has such confidence. She's so out there. She's so brave. And then to realize, oh, I've been holding back parts of myself. That was a shock to me. That was a shock to my system. So I had to do a lot of work a lot of work to come to terms with all of these things and to find to find my way yeah does that make sense yeah i'm i'm self-disclosure time i was sexually abused when i was eight years old and i haven't spoken about it i think very much here on the podcast if at all and a few months ago i had some visions of it um one night with my partner and right now I've actually started some therapy for it, EMDR, if you're familiar with that type of therapy. And and I'm getting this sense from you too, but have you noticed like as you process that trauma in prior to starting your transition or HRT or your T, now as you're dealing with it on a new set of hormones, are you having to reprocess this and figure out how this plays into your life? And I'm hearing that in there, but if you had that distinct feeling as you're walking through that, because that's what I'm dealing with right now. And I just typed a message to Penny. I'm like, this might get a little heavy for me. So, okay. um, you know, so, I mean, so this is very personal for yeah. me too. So, yeah. you know, and therapeutic in some ways too. So, I mean, are you, are you seeing that difference on both sides of that equation? Like I have, I, I don't know. I'm getting personal. No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm here to talk about the, it is personal. Like this is, this goes to the core of all of us. Right. And it's, so it's deeply personal. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. I want to make sure I understand your question. Are you saying has the T sort of added a new dimension to, to the, my experience of processing this? Is that, was that your. Yeah. Have you noticed a difference in your processing, you know, on T because now I'm noticing a difference on estrogen that the way I handle emotion and the way I process these things and the way just from a somatic point of view the way things move through me are different now so that's really interesting yeah no for me no I would say I haven't noticed any difference I was doing T a low dose in the fall and I only started doing a higher dose about three weeks ago. So ask me in three months. I might give you a different answer. <laughs> give you a reason yeah, to come back I'm on the show. At, you know, yeah, <laughs> and I'm sitting at three years. So, I mean, and I've noticed a big difference in my evolution from, you know, month one, six, 12, 18, and now coming up on 36. So I think there's different psychological and philosophical physiological changes that happen along the way that, you know, may only come with time. Yeah. For me, when I got my orchiectomy, um, even though I was, I was on hormone, I was on HR, I was on estrogen for about seven or eight months at that point. And it was, um, I, I did like about three or four weeks after the orchi, I actually, you know, realized in absentia just how aggressive the the testosterone had been making me um and it, it was um it, and and how everything was 
like I would I would sexualize everything. And it was something that um, really frustrated me. Um, and I'm kind of I was I was I was texting Amy. Not that we're trying to keep secrets from you. We're just like trying to set these things up. We're not talking mean about you or anything like that. But when I was uh, when I was a man, I was a, a, a toxic man. I was abusive. Um, yeah. And um, it was it was an everyday sort of abuse. I was not the I, I was not like the person who would go and sexually abuse people or um, physically abuse. Sometimes I would. And I'm not saying this like as an excuse, because the emotional abuse, the, the verbal abuse, when you're as, as big as I am, is oftentimes even worse because you can justify it. Well, I'm not hitting them. I'm not grabbing them. I'm just making sure I get what I want. And I hated myself for that. And it wasn't until I started um, actually working on um, putting that sort of attitude down and 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 started admitting these things about myself and working to be kind of like you in reverse i was trying to be the um most the, the least toxic masculine man i could possibly be uh and then at uh, a point i realized that i needed to get rid of more than just the toxic and toxic masculinity and and that was and and so that was what it was for me i in in some ways, I am like the the polar opposite of you because I was the I was hiding behind this aggressive asshole, uh, partially because um, of fear because I did not want anyone to know who I really was. Uh, you know, growing up in the in the sixties, uh, it was everything that I saw about um, feminine boys was was horrible. Um, and, and even the things that, like, for example, therapy, I, I just wrote an article for the American Academy of Psychotherapy's journal uh, where I was I was talking about uh, and, and I and I pulled out these two examples of the way psychotherapists dealt with feminine boys back in the 1960s. And they were basically tr making sure they turned them into assholes and. You know, it's like they were like these gentle playing, you know, feminine playing with girls. Uh, but they're like, well, now they're now they're hitting their mothers. And they were like congratulating themselves because they were being abusive towards women. And like, see, we've worked it. You know, that, and so as, as long as we can keep them being this way, like normally we think this is bad. But for these kids and I, you know, this is a success. Thumbs up for us. You know, and it, it just my, my heart broke because that was me. I didn't need psychotherapists to do that because that's what I was doing for myself. Um, and so to hear your stories about this and, uh, and about the support and the, the, um, the, the way you've uh, been able to find yourself and, 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 and recognize that there is more than just toxic and masculinity and, and working your way towards that um, has, has got to be um, it, it's such necessary work. And I'm so glad you're doing that. And I'm so glad you're, you're, you're doing things like the gender mentor website, uh, which, uh, it's, I've never heard of anyone calling themselves a gender mentor, but that's not, I'm like, why, why not? This is such a smart thing to do. Cause this is, it, it's like, there's a niche here that needs to be filled and you stepped right into it. Could you talk a little bit about that? The gender mentor? Yeah. So, so as I mentioned, I'm, 
trained as an academic and you know I came out as a lesbian when I was uh, in university and I got involved in the women's center and took um actually I don't think I ever took a women's studies course but but all my friends were in women's studies and I was taking like women's history classes and women's literature classes so I was getting like all this feminist theory that way and it was um it was so empowering for me and I loved it so much and plus I'm a writer and I love critical thinking. I love ideas. And I and then what I didn't know I loved, but what I fell in love with as an undergrad was research. So, um, and then I love talking to people and I love stories. So I took a course on women's history where they taught us oral, the, the professor taught us oral history, which is where you interview people about their life experience. And oral history is a technique used that was popularized in the 70s in the academy, of course, many cultures have oral history traditions, but I'm just talking about academically, it was treated as a legitimate way to do research with populations who are not, whose experiences are not well represented in the archive. So women, queers, working class people, immigrants, you know, people of color, those were the traditional groups that you would do oral histories with. And I loved it, right? Get your tape recorder out. And I literally, it was the early 90s, I had a tape recorder from Radio Shack and the little cassette tapes. And uh, you'd go and interview people and just say, like, when were you born? What was your family life like? And all this this kind of stuff. And then and then I got into doing lesbian oral history. And um, and I loved it so much. So then I did a master's. And, you know, and I, ne I never would have. I came from not a, I, my parent, neither of my parents finished high school, I don't think. But my, one of my professors said, have you thought about doing a master's? And I said, what's a master's? <laughs> and, and, and then I just didn't stop. I just kept going, right? It was like I was on the junk. <laughs> and uh, people just kept encouraging me. So um, uh, anyways, and I got lucky enough to get a job. And I've been doing that. And so, so doing this work has always been, you know, I'm very uh, drawn to social justice, political activism work. Um, and, and so, so yeah, so I've really enjoyed it. Anyways, uh, about six years ago, my personal uh, life, aspects of my personal life uh, fell apart and um, really badly. And uh, I fell apart really badly. And um, I realized that I didn't have the tools to, the emotional tools to deal with uh, how things had fallen apart. And I uh, developed a drinking problem. I became an alcoholic and to, to, to deal with my pain and my suffering. And uh, my partner, uh, who himself was, uh, he had been sober for 30 years, but he was an alcoholic. He, you know, he kept expressing concern for me. And I kept basically telling him to fuck off, <laughs> leave me alone. I don't know how he put up with me for so long. And my partner, who was so gentle and soft with me, um, I remember one day he said to me, I'm just, I'm just really concerned about your health. And, and it was in that moment that I realized that I didn't care about my health and that while I wasn't actively trying to kill myself, I didn't care if I lived another day. And, and that was a bit of an awakening, let's say. <laughs> I, I was a little surprised to realize how bad how bad things were for me and so then I started looking for tools to help me um, and it just so happens I, I had always been interested in Buddhism you know th things would pop up but I never really followed up with it um, and and it just so happened that I, I guess I went on Facebook to look for recovery groups and uh, at the time we were living in a on a 
somewhat remote island, so going to anywhere wasn't wasn't an option for me. And there was an there was an online um, Buddhist group that was starting to support people in recovery, and so I just went to that, and it was amazing. It blew my mind, and that was it. I was off, and so I've been really committed to learning as much as I can learn, and and really that work is the work of of healing yourself, and um, and that's where you know the heart centered shifting from the brain, which is where I always was, like political theory, you know, ideology, concept, challenging the gender paradigm, challenging patriarchy, all good, you know, racism, colonialism, all that stuff, good, important. But um, when you move from concept in the brain to your to your heart, and how are you relating to yourself? And how are you relating to other people around you? It's just changes everything for me it changed everything and um it changed me deeply and profoundly and um i mean if we want to talk about becoming well so i use this tool when we talk about becoming finding out who we are authentically through our gender to me the pathway is really just to get to know who we are period and you know if femininity is meaningful to you, if gender is meaningful to you, great. Embrace that, explore that, hold it, love it, nurture it, care for it, build it up, celebrate it, all those things. And if it isn't, let it go. Let, like be, lear, it's learning to be okay with, with letting that go and, and, and just coming into the fullness of yourself. And so actually, I, would, I think that what's happening with me and my transition now is really an extension of that process of getting to know who who am I really and then learning to love myself, which was the hardest thing in the world I ever did because it's so easy to hate yourself and our culture teaches you every day to hate yourself. <laughs> and uh, so it's so hard to learn how to, how to love yourself. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's really, it's been uh, amazing, really amazing work. And as I say, it's just, um, I enjoy, I enjoy life and I enjoy the people in my life so much more deeply uh, than I ever, uh, ever have before. Elle, you, you just spoke about the heart and the brain and, you know, but so much of us are trained from an academic standpoint and from a life perspective. And I mean, yeah, you hear say, follow your heart, but yet... We end up up here in our brain of so much. How do you how do you propose to somebody to say, okay, let go of that logic, let go of that learning, and just follow your heart and how to embrace it and slip into your authentic self? I mean, where's the starting point for that? The starting point, well, for you know, for people in the that do mindfulness work, you know, which is the secular form of practices that come out of the Buddhist tradition is the, the starting point is your breath is and and why i say your breath is it just means stopping and being present with what is right here right now because um the brain is about concept and maybe like moving toward maybe i'll just give you an example like um i'm on a whole bunch of facebook groups and one of the things I love about Facebook groups for non-binary people, and maybe for the trans community, it's the same thing, is there are all these like big love fests, which I've never seen. Like everybody talks about social media as being toxic, but in these groups, 
people just show up and say, I'm feeling really shit. My parents won't use my proper pronouns, you know, or they've kicked me out of the house. And then everybody just piles on love. They just pile on love. And it's like, holy moly. Whoa, like this is amazing what they're doing. And so anyways, to give you an example of advice I gave to someone recently, they were struggling to achieve a kind of masculine appearance. Like, how do you do it? How do I look masculine? How do you, how do, you do that? And what I said to them is instead of uh, trying to strive toward an idea of masculinity, why not just look inside yourself and allow what feels right to you to be present and allow that to express itself. So that's what I mean by, okay, I, I look at all these like really hot guys. I don't know if you saw, but um, Ricky Martin, just there was just like this really hot photo shoot he just did. And oh my God, like babelicious, right? <laughs> he looks amazing. So to me, that might be a vision of masculinity I might strive for. And indeed, you could be sure the thought passed through my mind. Ooh, if I could look like that. <laughs> I'd get me some dates. Anyways, <laughs> so I could like, you know, there's this idealized, but as also as a feminist, you know, and who's been presented with images of the female body that I could never achieve <laughs> ever. So you, it just encourages you to hate yourself even more because you can never be someone else. Even, even when you, and we all know people who are hot and sexy, they still feel they're not good enough and they still have a lot of self-criticism. So that's the brain going, okay, here's an ideal. I want to achieve this. I want to get to that place, right? So you're, so you're also thinking about the future, right? What do I have to do to get there? And so the practice of going to the heart is saying, what's already here? What's already there? Because everything you need, and here's the real mind-blowing part of the teaching that I've been given. Everything you need, you already have. And, and for me, that blew my mind because I grew up in a, with all kinds of challenges. I didn't have what I emotionally needed. I didn't have what I materially needed. So I was always looking outside myself for what I needed. And the idea that I already had everything I needed, I mean, I never would have believed it. You know, years ago, I would have said, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but it's true. It's really true. It really is. It's like one of those things where you just keep on picking that weight up again that you that you've been told you can put down. You know, it's like I have that 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 which is what I the 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 image that I often have about the what you're talking about the the external things. This is the person that I want to look like as opposed to this is the best version of me that I can be. It's like putting on a like you're riding in a wagon uh, and you've got a backpack on that's like a, a this heavy bag. You don't need to have the backpack on i mean it's it's the horse doesn't mind either way you just take it off and let it sit on the you know it's like you it, it's not your burden to carry but yet we it's not my burden to carry yet i still keep on picking that up and carrying that oh my god exactly i can tell you just there's a just across the street right at kitty corner to where i sit right now i was out for a walk one day processing all of this coming to terms with being non-binary. I had decided to get, I was coming to terms with my um, decision to get top surgery, which was huge. And, uh, and I stopped at, at the lights at the intersection and I literally, I kid you not, I had this profound sensation of having two heavy pieces of luggage in my hands. And 
it was a moment of accepting and 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 i literally felt like i put them down and it was the weight of being a woman i literally felt like i was dropping putting those suitcases down and walking away i didn't need to carry it anymore and then and then and i don't know if you felt you can relate to this but then i felt guilty because i felt like i was abandoning women in because we struggle like i i relate to women as as being a woman in the struggle against patriarchy against the violence and the inequality that we face and so then i had a guilt complex come up of like oh you're abandoning yeah you're becoming the enemy well i didn't i didn't feel that i didn't feel that i would say i can imagine some people might struggle with that i didn't i was becoming my own enemy ah right I was becoming my, and that was, you know, what I was talking about earlier, the struggle with what did it mean to, to become more masculine? I was becoming my own enemy. Um, yeah. Well, and I think in there, like you had the guilt of, and, you know, going from female to male or non-binary, however you want to define that for yourself is a little bit different, but you're, there's, and I've heard this before, so you're walking away there's this walking away from womanhood, but yet you're still a feminist and you're still doing those things. I think for, you know, for a lot of us, and this is where I come from on my side, I walked away from a religious community. So I was walking away from a certain type of binary. There was this perception with some, some friends, big air quotes here for you folks that aren't seeing this live on zoom that, you know, that you're being selfish for coming out, that you're doing the wrong thing for your family. And so my guilt, and I think for a lot of people, is that side of it of walking away from family and community. But yet, if you go and talk to my family, they're like, no, we'd rather have Amy than that guy who was here before. So that's a tough thing to walk individually. And you have to make that choice on yourself. And so when you let go of it, you, you're just able to walk authentically as yourself is and that's kind of what I'm hearing there is that correct absolutely yeah that's that's exactly it for me it's it, this because you know, everything's about me um, it, it's uh, <laughs> no it's about me <laughs> oh you're just terrible with that Amy no I, I was thinking you you're becoming the man that I was trying to be uh, when I was when I was trying to do my you know, putting down the toxic and toxic masculinity. It feels like that's the sort of uh, the you, you're describing to, to the person that you're becoming for yourself was very much the person that I was trying to be um, when I before I admitted that I was transgender. It was yeah. it, the, that that sort of healthy, um, non-toxic sort of masculinity that is not at all prevalent in the world. Uh, it, it seems to be much more along the lines of what you're, you're doing. Uh, and I can, but I can understand that because it's, it's like, you know, Christians get a bad rap uh, because they are such awful people, but they're not all awful people. You know, like you said, not all men, not all Christians, not all um of the people who are the, the people of privilege in our society um, actually abuse their privileges. Uh, and, and just that, that path to, to finding that authenticity is, um, is really, uh, you know, I, I think everybody here that's in this conversation is doing that in one way, shape or form. Um, what's amazing about you is that you are um, actively trying to guide people. 
uh, to doing the doing this work. We were discussing your the, your academics is not what it, it, this is not your this is your avocation. Is it okay to talk about this? The fact that this is that 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 conversation we had just before we started, where he's saying I want to do this because I I feel that too that I want to make this yeah. my 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 goal and. So that that can you want to talk about that as well? That sort of struggle that you're having with that is that worth discussing? Yeah, well, you know, so I just want to say a couple things quickly. Please so do. I always, I always, I often tell people, and I think this is important that my social justice, I don't know, bones, heart comes from my Catholic education. And I think that surprises people, but I grew up, I, I had the benefit of a very progressive Catholic priest at the church that we went to. And I drank the Kool-Aid, man. I used to, I actually, my father had a beard, you know, it was the 70s, right? And uh, I used to think my dad was Jesus and my mom was Mary. <laughs> I did, because they were both kind and loving people. And then one day I realized, oh, wait a minute, Mary was Jesus's mother. So that doesn't, that doesn't actually calculate. <laughs> I certainly hope it doesn't. <laughs> so I had this very positive, you know, not sin and hate, you know, hate or whatever. That, that wasn't the frame. It was a love, acceptance, joy, community, right? So to me, you know, the story, this, all the stories, the biblical, the Good Samaritan, the fishes and the loaves, you know, Jesus in the church with the moneylenders and leave behind your riches and follow me. That's socialism. That's feminism. You know, Mary Magdalene. <laughs> I, I no, listen, you know, and uh, like Mary Magdalene, you know, why he washed her feet. She was a sex worker. He washed her feet. Right. Like, come on. I mean, it's right there for you. So. To me, like it, it was it was a natural segue to feminist politics and you know sex positive, you know sex worker rights, transgender rights, all of it, right? Anti racism, bring it on, you know. This is like, so I stopped being a Christian um, in my teens, but uh, but the, the the stories, you know, the principles have never never left with me. So yeah, so I became. Uh, 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 I, I, you know, I fell into academics. I always wanted to be a teacher. So I, even before I knew anything, I wanted to be a teacher. I remember my older sister went to kindergarten and I was so lonely and I would play at school at home. <laughs> I, w I was the teacher. How arrogant. I'd never even been in a classroom, but I wasn't the student. I was the teacher. <laughs> Anyways, so I always, I knew, always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So I, I still, you know, I still teach, but but I'm feeling like I want to serve my, I want to serve my community. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I love the classroom and the classroom is an amazing space and training people to get degrees is a, is a wonderful and important thing, but you know, it's, it, it, it has its limits. And I think I've gone as far as I can. I'm pretty sure nobody at my university is going to hear this interview. So I'm just going to say they can't fire me anyways. I'm tenured, but <laughs> I feel like I've gone, I've given as much as I can give and, and I have so much more to give and it's, um, you know, I taught and I think that's process started for me when we were given this very rare opportunity to teach any course we wanted that didn't have to be related to our direct field of research. And so I taught a whole course on Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance, because I could see my students struggling with self-acceptance, 
You know, they're very insecure. Their confidence is very low. They're so uncertain about themselves and their place in the room, in their place in the world. And it's so painful to watch that, you know, like to see that they're so young and tender and you just want to hold them and, you know, <laughs> and uh, like little birds, right? And so I taught this whole course that was just about radical acceptance and it was profound. It was profound. And so I think ever since I did that, I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. This work of transformation where we can really, truly make space for ourselves and, and hold ourselves and hold each other in the true light of our natural goodness. That is, that's where I want to be. That is amazing. Uh, one of the things that you do with <laughs> hey, all of this. I, I know I got sorry, sorry, Penny. I just got, that. that's a big thoughts. Sorry, no, 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 please go, go on. Just... Please go on, Amy. Do, do, do go on. No, but I mean, you say radical acceptance and say, and you know, you, you, you hit that term a couple of times and you taught the course on that, but within a minute or two, what's the elevator speech for that? Well, it's, it's the same thing. You, you, so whereas, well, I'll go back to the Catholics, right? And those of you and your listeners who are Christian know the one thing that is terrible about Christianity is they, they teach you you're born with natural sin. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. Like that is just right there. That seed is, is horrible. How could that possibly be? How, how could that be? So in the Buddhist tradition, it's you're, you're born naturally good. We all are naturally good and we, we all want to love and be loved and we all uh, want and desire to be in community with each other. And the problem, the problems happen when we think being worthy means, let's say for example, having great wealth, right? That this makes us a worthy human being or measuring ourselves by how many friends we have or, or, or um, the way I see racism as a white person, the way I see racism often playing itself out is the the cruelty of white people is often um, embedded in an innate sense of uh, I affirm my my worth as a human by showing that you are less than me. So if I am more than you, then that affirms my worth. So if I don't feel worthy, well, fuck, I'm better than you right? You're shit. And so that's going to, so the act of racism makes me feel worthy. So if I suffer from unworthiness, racism as a white person is a great tool to help me. It's like my alcohol, using alcohol to treat my suffering. Racism is a way to treat your suffering of unworthiness. And I know that's going to be hard for a lot of people to accept that, but but isn't it even more cruel of white people to say race doesn't matter? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, we could get into, we could go down the road of, yeah, it's like, well, it, so I did a blog post recently on why you should never talk about genitalia unless you're talking about your own with your doctor. So uh, I said in, the, in, in, in one week, two people said, referred to genitalia in conversation with me, and both of them were meaning to be supportive. I don't care what genitals you have, one person said. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, 
why are we talking about my genitals? Nobody has ever talked about... I said, oh, I must be officially trans now. <laughs> then my genitals are being discussed. Yeah. There you go. Welcome to the club. <laughs> so, so, so to me, and you know, it is, I mean, I don't, I don't think white folks should compare their experience to people of color, but it is the same as saying, I don't see color. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just, so it is, it, 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 it's a different, it's a, it's a somewhat different kind of thing, I think. Uh, to say I don't see color, it's problematic. It's super problematic. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a way of ignoring the. Pro you're right. It is a way of ignoring the problems. I don't see color. Therefore, if you're talking about your uh, being disadvantaged, I can't acknowledge that because I don't see color. So obviously, there's something else that's going on here. You're just lazy. But that's I'm not being racist. It's just that's what you know because I don't see color. Isn't isn't it Trevor Trevor Noah? You know comedians, right? Uh, are amazing. And isn't it Trevor Noah who said, "Oh my God, like what do you do at a stop sign?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just points out how ridiculous it is to say that, right? Yeah, you absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to change the subject just so we are getting on a little bit in time here, and I and this is something that uh, I when I was looking at your at your. Um, at your gender mentor site, you talk about, and you had one today, a letter writing club. And yeah. I, and I wanted to, I wanted to, to hear you hear about that. And cause for me, writing is one of the most therapeutic things that I do and, and putting pen to paper. I don't know what sort of writing that is. My imagine when I saw that, I imagined like, you know, actual pen to paper sort of writing. Uh, and I was just wondering if you could talk about what that is and how you use that. So I uh, write a weekly letter called Letters from Home. So the course that I teach is called Coming Home to Our Non-Binary Bodies. So it's this idea of coming home, right? Coming home to ourselves. So this weekly letter I write, I call it Letters from Home. And so I, that's what I want to do is build a place that's like home, right? And, you know, those of us in the under the queer umbrella, we, we know all about chosen family and the need for home, right? Because often our own quote unquote biological homes or, you know, homes of origin are not, are not really a home for us, right? So I really want to create a space where people feel like they're truly home. And I think to be truly home is, is a place where you don't have to explain yourself. You just are, you know, you just, your stinky feet and everything else, right? You just, you just are, and you get to be. And, um, so that's kind of the space that I want to create and and that we all just so desperately need. And so I wanted to create also create an opportunity for folks just to show up and be together. And so I just thought, oh, well, why don't we create a letter writing club and they can write back to me, you know? <laughs> and, and then I, I they don't usually write back to me. One week I asked them to write back to me and they don't actually send me the letters. But it's really just an opportunity. So we begin with the meditation. I begin everything with a with just a brief moment of breathing, just to come into our bodies and come into our, the moment and be together with each other. You know, my family used to, as good Catholics, we used to say grace before dinner. And I, and I love it because it really brought us together as a family in that moment. You know, it created this structure. When we sat around at the dinner table, we were together and, and they were really joyful. In my, luck, luckily for me, they, they were very joyful times. Anyway, so it's this ritual, right? It's simply a ritual of bringing us together and being present with each other. And then I talk a little bit about the, the 
theme. So this week, the theme was fear and shame. I talked in my letter that I had sent out, I talked about my own fear and shame and how it came up for me. Um, and, and so, and how love is really the solution to everything, <laughs> including fear and shame. Um, and so we, we, I, we worked with this week, we wrote about um, words of encouragement. So all of us can overcome our fears when we get words of encouragement. So people who were there today were asked to either reflect on a moment when someone said something encouraging to them. So I work three times a week with a trainer on Zoom. And she always says, you nailed it. You got it. And I'm telling you, I love, I cry a little bit every time she says that. I feel so good. <laughs> so words of encouragement mean a lot to me. You know, I never get tired of hearing them. They support me. Or I said, write a letter to your future self in a moment in which they're going to do something where they have some fear or maybe some shame. Um, and so write a letter of encouragement to your future self. And so that's what we did. So for 20 minutes, everybody spends time, whatever it is that week. And that just happened to be what it was this week. And then we share with each other. Um, we either, some people choose to read a little bit of what they wrote and some people just talk about what came up for them. That, that That's really beautiful. And I love that idea of being home and just being able, and I, and I wrote it down, just to be home and be who we are. And that's why I put myself on mute and dab my eyes there for a couple seconds. It's such a beautiful thought. You know what, before we wrap up, I do have a question for you. And you mentioned feminist theory here a couple times. Yeah. And that's one of my research as I move forward in my mental health counseling program. But where is the future with feminist theory and transgender inclusiveness and moving forward with non-binary? Um, just ask you, ask you an academic question as we wrap up here. So moving forward with feminist theory and transgender and non-binary inclusivity. So where do we go in that, in that field? You know, it, when, when uh, anti-trans feminism first started emerging, well, of course it's always been there, but you know, it, as tr as trans narratives became more common than the reaction against them, you know, we started hearing more opinion pieces and stuff. You know, I, I shouldn't be surprised by anything, but I, I was really surprised. I was like, what the hell? Like, what kind of feminism is that? You know, it's just like, that is no feminism that I know. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, it's sad. Um, it's not feminism. I don't see it as feminism at all. And I don't know how anybody can. I, okay, you know, you know how I'm going to talk about this. It goes back to fear. So how a Buddhist would say, would address that is it's true that women get a smaller piece of the pie. And so when you have trans women coming and when you see, when you feel that you are suffering from scarcity, it's easy to see other people, whether it's, you know, people coming up through the southern U.S. border, right? They're a threat. If you have a scarcity mentality, they're going to take from you and you already are struggling. So, so they're a threat to you. So you construct them as an evil, a danger, you know, you must defeat them. So the way a Buddhist would approach that is to 
connect with them on the fact that they feel threatened and they're afraid because that is legitimate. It, it's legit. They are as women, you're fucked in this society. You know, if you're a white woman, you're less fucked than if you're a woman of color, but you're still fucked, right? Like you can't deny that. And, 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 and as I myself talked about the own hostility I have in my head toward men, which is hard, you know, people are going to say, I'm confirming a bias about feminism. So it's hard to say that publicly, but I have to, right? I mean, have this conversation. I, I'm trying to come to terms with my own shit, which I come by honestly, right? So, so I have to see them as I understand your fear. I understand you have been paid unequally. You have been treated poorly. You haven't been given the advancement opportunities. So yeah, you know, somebody who had all those privileges and who's, you know, walking away from them, if, if that's the way you think about it and wanting to take up space in your community, that feels really wrong. I get it. And so you have to shift their way of, see, why, why do I not see trans women as a threat? I don't, as a threat. Well, I'm not a woman anymore, but let's just say I was. <laughs> So you hypothetical you. I don't see it as I don't have a scarcity mentality around that, right? But they do. So to me, that's 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 the difference. And the other thing I always like to say is they're in the minority. They are really in the minority, and they get a lot of attention, you know. And they sh we should be thinking about them, and we should be engaging with it, and we should be pushing back. Absolutely, I'm not saying that. But I do think a lot of people who don't know a lot about feminism, I'm not talking about you, I'm thinking about my students. Um, they think that all feminists and all older lesbians are anti-trans. It's not true. My partner, who I told you is a trans man, he did his PhD, like he's an oral historian of the lesbian past like me. His PhD was on lesbians and he had to go back and get permission from every one of them to publish his book. Like when he did his PhD, he got permission, you know, you get a consent form. But the publisher wanted him to go back to every single woman and get their permission. And he rightfully was a bit nervous because he was now a trans man. And I think there may have been one woman who never replied to his email. Everyone else absolutely were like delighted and thrilled and warmly embraced him. That's the reality. He, you know, we were accepted by our community was the lesbian community. We both had been lesbians for years. And that's, you know, politically, our alignment was there. Our social world was there. Everything was there. And the community, the lesbian community never rejected us. They always accepted us for exactly who we were. It was never an issue. And I'm not saying that's the truth for everyone. But I, I do think that's an important, important that people, people who maybe aren't inside that community understand that, that TERFs trans exclusionary radical feminists they're in the minority so yeah does that answer your question i think so okay yeah. <laughs> it was a long answer i'm sorry no you 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 you, you answered it ask asked a couple more questions and answered them as well so that was really uh really a lot of uh a, a lot of information but well you know well paced and well presented and yeah the you know the 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 TLDR is turfs suck, um, <laughs> and they're in the minority. Yeah, and so they're in the minority. They are in the minority, and they're just loud. And for me, you know, if you're a feminist, and you know, 
people from like you know american white bread evangelical christian backgrounds are like palling up to you that is a signal that you are doing something wrong um but i guess that's you know that's you know their fear-based well, decision you know, making. I, I, I know we're going long here but i don't you can care. edit this if you want but you you i don't know about you goddess amy but penny you may be old enough to remember this is exactly what happened with the anti-porn movement in the 80s anti-porn feminists aligned with the republicans and went after porn and a lot of queer artists were taken down by that and so you think you know if you're if your politics are in alignment with the republicans you might want to rethink your politics <laughs> i just know porn when i see it <laughs> <laughs> can you send me some <laughs> yeah oh good old ed meese yeah. oh my god yeah oh yeah i, I, I know yeah i know where a lot of things when i see them and I, and I and i know a quality person when i talk to him and that that would be uh that would be you well this has been a really delightful uh conversation um we're gonna take a quick break and do a little wrap up you're welcome to hang out and uh say what you know because we always do our takeaways and so if you want to yeah. take away where this is your this is your chance for some uh, transgender takeout, let's call it. Uh, but <laughs> we'll do that in a minute. Uh, when I come back with our wrap up, this is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to TransformationThursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i'm penny sterling and my pronouns are she her and i'm amy stevens or better known as goddess amy this evening and my pronouns are still she her goddess yes and your majesty, of course. And of course, we are here with our second hardest name so far in Transformation Thursday, El Chenier. No, the the hardest one. Do you remember our hardest name, Amy? No. Yes, you do. <laughs> nope. We, we had a, 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 <laughs> we had Shalim uh, Gulgosh uh, on, uh, who is a researcher who's now at Fordham, who had this really amazing um, study about the socialization for transgender children, discovering that trans children social, and it's like, it was like one of those no duh things, trans children socialize the in, in their in their true genders exactly the same way as cis children do. Uh, and it was, a, it was a really, it was a really great, and we had her on, and um, the, the fun part was I could pronounce her name and Amy couldn't. So I, and that has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we're talking about here, except for that you have a great name, uh, El Chenier. And it's been a great, um, it's been a great conversation with you. And I'm really glad you stuck around here for our rap segment when we talk about what our takeaways are. Um, I can't wait to hear what Amy, they do are. you have a takeaway? <laughs> Come back to me, please. 
All right. Uh, my takeaway is um, hearing that the heart-centered, the, the, the heart-centered work that you do, uh, I, I, when, when I saw that phrase, when I was looking, when I was doing some research on you, that was what stuck with me. Uh, I'd, I'd never really actually heard that phrase used before, but it really is the, that, that faith, not, not logic sort of thing about yourself, that joy centered, uh, find your joy and, and, and live it, uh, find your authenticity and live it is so antithetical to the way, uh, our society is seems to be and it's so very necessary especially for people who do not fit well in that society uh and 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 the fact that you are doing this and coming out and 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 i don't want to say taking on but um making yourself available to people to to help them in this journey uh we've talked a couple of times amy i talked about uh gender and and gender uh non-conforming people and and my belief is that if we're if, if things are allowed to progress the way they are that whole idea of binaries is going to disappear um and, and and i think that would be a, a wonderful thing and uh, i i think that you're doing some really great work there so that's my takeaway uh, and i'm just really yeah in awe of you I'm in. I'm in awe as well. Aww. Aww, you know, Aww. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back to the letters home because I made such an effort to write that down. And you know, there are so few places for us who are transgender, non-binary, to really be our th authentic selves. And when we find those spaces, when we find those people, when we find those relationships in our lives, no matter if they're, you know, with a partner, with close friends. Um, even, you know, here in the comedy circles that I, that I've run in previously and this week, I'm actually getting back to, I'm very excited to say wow, that cool. when we find those spaces to be authentically ourselves, we can take our feet off or take our feet off. I mean, take our shoes off and let the smelly feet out where we can laugh and cry realistically as ourselves free from judgment. Those are rare places for us in in the trans and gender diverse communities. And those spaces need to be cherished. They need to be held sacred. And most importantly, they need to be safe. They need to be, you know, and I, excuse me. You know, somebody recently said to me, I feel safe around you. That's the highest compliment you can give me. I hosted a comedy show two years ago, and Penny was on it. Somebody came up to I me. I killed. She did. I killed too. But I helped you hide the body. Exactly. Whatever his name Sorry. was. <laughs> yeah. He was a bastard. He sold insurance. <laughs> but one of the highest compliments I got, though, at the end of that show was when another trans person came up to me and said, thank you for providing this space where we could laugh, where we can enjoy, and we can even laugh at ourselves being trans and gender diverse, but we weren't the butt of the joke. And those safe spaces are so few far between that we have to hold that and we and for those of us in the community who have some leadership like all of us do 
we really have to make sure we hold those spaces for those people who need it way more than we need it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's yeah. Th those spaces are are are, and the other thing about those spaces is that they're wonderful. They're amazing. They are so nourishing for 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 the soul and the heart. You know that support. I have a couple of places where I find that as well, um, online primarily. And I'm and I'm I'm just so glad yeah. that I live in a, in an era when there's social media that allows you. Um, you know, I, I knew when I was eight years old that I was transgender, except there was nobody in the world like me. And I thank God that there is a way of doing this where you are able to connect with people uh, because there are so few of us uh, right now. I think there's probably more of us than we actually know. But that's 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 my takeaway. Again, I want to hear what your takeaway is out from all of this. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you got you two are just amazing and so wonderful, and I love what you're doing. I mean, you're holding space, you're creating community with what you're doing, and I'm just so honored to have been a part of it. And oh, I mean, I really mean it when I say I love you. It's like you're so you're you're just lovely, honestly. Like you're you're really good people, and, and it it just means a lot to me. I love having these conversations, and and you know about, about the space that I hold. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. These spaces are so important. They're so valuable and we don't have enough of them. And, and the fact that I can do it, it just means, it means so much to me. And to be able to be able to, to share the benefit of your own learnings with others to me is so amazing. And for me, you know, I had to figure out everything in life by, on my own. And I, I won't get into that. I won't start telling a new story here, but I pretty much, you know, I pretty much had to do it all by myself and that was hard. That was hard. So anytime I can pass on a piece of knowledge about anything to anyone, I do it in a second because if I can make your life that much easier, why not? Right? Like, why not? So, so I just, just, I just want to hand it. I just want to stand on the corner and hand it out, <laughs> you know, and that's what gives me joy. And, and anybody who does that knows that it's, it's not completely selfless when you do that. People appreciate you and then you feel, you feel like that's how it should be. It's like, we've made a connection. I've given you something, but by you receiving that um, and, and showing appreciation, I receive something. I know that I've done good today. You know, I was here for someone and I helped them and that's, that's just makes me feel amazing. So so it's it goes the love flows all in all directions. Yeah, and it's um, oh, and also I wanted to confirm that indeed Amy is a goddess, <laughs> resplendent in her beauty. I am blinded. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she's 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 so modest about it too. Her 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 gaze. She is. Yes. She, is. <laughs> she is absolutely. <laughs> well, that's gonna be. We've had such a lot of fun here. Uh, you're you're heading out on a, on a long trip, and you're. On, I think you should come back down through the United States and stop by Rochester. Hopefully, by that time, the pandemic will be over, and we can all just go out and have a beverage together and just be marvelous goddesses. And and what is what is the non-binary equivalent of a goddess? I know, right? God. God X. God X. Oh, I like God X. something there. I like God it. XL is that's that just sounds like an extra large God. I that that one we're going to work on that. 
I'll think on it a little more. Al Shane, thank, thank you so, so much. thank you so much for for being on Transformation Thursday with us. We'll be back again next next week with another one. But for now, let's uh, I'm going to say good night, Al. Good night. And Sleep time. Thank you and good night, Penny. Good night, Penny. No. Good night, Amy. <laughs> oh shoot, I said it wrong. Not you. <laughs> That's it. We're out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.